you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Season with Peter Schrager is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. What's up, everybody? This is Peter Schrager. This is The Season with Peter Schrager. Uh, we're recording this on a Tuesday morning after championship weekend going into the Super Bowl bye week. I'm with Aaron Wong-Kaufman. I'm with Jason English, folks from the iHeart Media team. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm always saddened this week. I know that sounds crazy. We're supposed to be hyped up. Saddened because I know once the games end, Aaron, it's an abyss. Now, I love the draft. I love free agency. But like, I love the games. I love talking about the games. And boy, do I have some thoughts on the games that we just watched before we turn the page and go to the Super Bowl. I... Let me take you through my weekend. Saturday afternoon, I take my son to the New York Knicks game. Okay. They play the Miami Heat. It's 3 p.m. And I'm asking Mel, I'm like, do you want to go to the AFC Championship game tomorrow in Baltimore? You have to understand, he loves the Ravens. He watched the entire Texans Ravens game. He was a nervous wreck the first half, like cried at one point, threw a hissy fit at one point during the first half because, like, what, what are the Ravens doing? And then when they won, I'd never seen such joy in this child's eyes. Like, do you want to go tomorrow? We're going to this basketball game now. You're enjoying this moment. You're at a live sporting event. Do you want to go? Because we will get on a train and we'll stand in the rain and it'll be a 12-hour day. But I, I do think there's a significance to being a kid and being at one of these amazing, amazing sporting events like an AFC championship game in person. And the fact that the Baltimore Ravens have not hosted an AFC championship game since 1970 was like swirling in my brain. Mel's going to be a Ravens fan. He is a Ravens fan. His mom is a Ravens fan. His father-in-law is a Ravens fan. Her, his, his grandfather, my father-in-law, his uncle, the whole thing. As I've mentioned on other podcasts, and I think I mentioned it here last year, last week, my father-in-law, David, is a hardcore Baltimore sports fan. He was in every Ravens home game, I think, until recent years. He's gone to every one of them. He travels once a year to go to a road game with my brother-in-law. They're hardcore. Every Baltimore Super Bowl ever he has been at. That includes the Miami, you know, Joe Namath guarantees Super Bowl three. It includes the win over the Colts. It includes it, the win over the Cowboys. It includes... Uh, Ravens Super Bowl victory over the Giants. It includes Ravens Super Bowl victory over uh, the 49ers in New Orleans. He's been to all of them. So they're Baltimore people. My son's going to be Baltimore. So I was like, I think you should want to go. However, Aaron, he had a youth basketball game the next morning. Oh, He loves playing for those Gonzaga Bulldogs at the Brooklyn Basketball Academy. Seven years old. He scored a basket last week. He's feeling good. It is so rare that I am off on the weekends, which I was because Fox didn't have a pregame show in the early window. 
that I could actually attend one of his basketball games on the weekend. I've never been able to do it. I went to one a couple of weeks ago. It was amazing. These games, though, last like 30 minutes. You know, you're in your out. The final score is like eight to six. <laughs> it's like a soccer match. Yeah. Mel loves his basketball team, loves his basketball team. So it's this moment. It's like, do you want to go or do you not want to go? And he looked at me and he's like, I don't know. And I'm like, do I have to make this decision? My wife is like, if it's raining, I think we pull the plug. If it looks like it's clear skies, I, I kind of want to go too. I kind of want to be there. She's been to all these big games also. So at 7 a.m., we woke up on Sunday morning. We checked the weather. And it said the rain is passing through Baltimore at around 11 a.m. By 3 p.m. kickoff, no rain. And off we went. We go to Penn Station. This place is humming. Chiefs fans, Ravens fans. New York City has a good collection of both those fan bases. We get on the train, Northeast Regional, going from the lovely New York Penn Station, New Monaghan Hall. We're going down there and we're going to Baltimore. Three, three hour ride. We're sitting there. Everyone on the on the on the train is hyped for football. It's a football train. It was so cool. It's a great way to like prepare for a game hours in advance from 9 a.m. to noon. It's all just Ravens fans and Flacco jerseys and Ogden jerseys and Suggs jerseys. We get to the train station, a flood of just purple and red. A lot of Chiefs fans. So much respect for the Chiefs fans. They travel to this thing too. We leave Penn Station. I call an Uber to go to the stadium because I want to get there early. My wife's like, I don't need to be there for three hours. We'll, we'll go separately. I'll go to my brother's place, which is nearby. She takes an Uber. I take an Uber. We get in the Uber. I get my solo Uber. I'm dressed with a you know, big raincoat on just in case. And I've got uh, my phone, my portable phone charger because I know I'm not going to be sitting by an outlet. And it is traffic wall to wall from the train station to the stadium. I say, get me out of this Uber. I walk about 15 blocks. Ooh, and, and this is not New York City blocks, too. These are Baltimore blocks. And as you're walking, the anticipation is building, building. No one recognizes me at first. You know, five blocks, I'm just a random guy walking. Then 10 blocks, it's all Ravens fans. It's all Chiefs fans. I get about, you know, probably a half mile from the stadium and suddenly it's like, Schrager, Schrager. I'm like, yes, okay, I love the recognition. You picked against us. <laughs> Ravens fans. Respectful, but also not so thrilled that they know my family is Baltimore and I still picked the Chiefs before this thing. And the walk was electric. I was so hyped. We get to the stadium. I do a round on the stadium. I walk a lap. Awesome experience. I'm with Jason McCourty, the not, the Ravens PR staff cool enough to say, you know, we'll credential you if you want to sit in the press box, come on in, whatever. So I get to go there beforehand. I see Jason McCourty, who's doing the radio. I see Devin McCourty. We walk uh, like close to the field. Travis Kelsey's there. I'm talking to Travis Kelsey before the game. He was dialed in. You saw the thing with Justin Tucker. Like he was not there to do small talk. He was not there for nonsense. Respectful as always, but like dialed in. I see Mahomes, give him a pound. He's dialed in. I talked to, to some of the Chiefs executives. They're dialed in. Ravens side. Jack Harbaugh's there. Jim Harbaugh's there. John Harbaugh, you know, dialed in. This felt like a monstrous game because it was. Get to the seats. My son is a nervous wreck. I could tell. I've never seen him. Like this. It's like He doesn't take tests. He doesn't have homework yet. This is where he's a nervous wreck. He's super... Uh, you know, in his own thoughts about whether this is going to be the day. And I'm like, just dude, no matter what, you're here, you're going to have a story. You got to experience it. Like, just enjoy it. 
Out comes Michael Phelps. No, no, Mel, this is a world champion swimmer. Why is he here? Well, he likes the Ravens. Yes, but why is a swimmer here? Yes, he's from Baltimore and he's like, he's a big Ravens fan. Yes, but is he swimming? No, he's not swimming. It's just, <laughs> he likes the Ravens. So he's like, okay. Ed Reed comes out. All right, that guy's one of the best safeties to ever play, if not the best safety. Ravens legend, won a Super Bowl. Awesome. Ray Lewis comes out. Dun, dun. So hot. He comes out, does his whole Ray Lewis dance. My son, time to dig. I'm like, two Super Bowls, probably the greatest player ever to wear the Ravens uniform. That's it. They do the toss. Chiefs defer, and they're like, we're going to give the Ravens the ball. The place is fired up. The place is nuts. Ravens come out. Three and out. Chiefs come out. Rocking stadium. Place is going wild. Fourth and two, first down. Third and four, first down. Third and five, first down. Third and three, first down. And they do this thing at that Raven Stadium where they, where they like, they go to the the, the big screen, like make some noise every third down, or it's like third down. We need the decibel meter higher, fans. And you're like, all right. And by the fourth or fifth one, I could see these fans being like, this Mahomes is pretty good. Touchdown. Place is dead. Ravens come back. Zay Flowers, amazing touchdown. 7-7, place going bonkers. I look next to me. My son is in tears. Aaron, I'm like, Mel, this is the, what, what? He goes, I missed the fun play. Everyone was jumping up and down. I didn't get to see it. Oh, It's like so heartbroken. And I'm like, looking at my wife, I'm like, we should just watch from the couch. Like, this isn't worth it. Like, he's not even excited for like the good moment. Mm. Ah, So he was crying after they scored. And then sure enough, the Chiefs are just dominant throughout the first half. We go to halftime. This is why my wife is my wife and Erica is smart and why we give her all the credit in the world. We get to halftime. I take Mel to the bathroom, forever long line. We're in a funk. He's in a funk. He had just been crying. The Ravens are losing, all this stuff. This is before the Zay Flowers thing. My wife disappears for about five minutes. I'm like, where'd she go? I don't know, whatever. We come back to the seat. Simplest thing, some cotton candy. Smiling. Sun is shining now. Sun comes up. Rain goes away. Ravens are driving. Zay Flowers, big play, taunting penalty. All right, that hurts, but let's go back. They get another big play. Zay Flowers about to score. Punched the ball loose, fumble. That was the game. I know it was this one score game. That was the game. And I'm like, oh my God, the next six hours are going to suck. I'll tell you this. Mel was a good sport. He was a good sport. I said, look, that's football. Just when you think it's your year, just when you put all this time and effort, that can happen. Do you see what happened with mommy's Michigan Wolverines? Because my wife's a Michigan mm. Wolverine. Like, that's one side of it. You can go all the way and you can win and it's the best feeling in the world and you could be on cloud nine. But there's also this side of it. Only one team can advance in every game in the playoffs. And in this case, it's not the Ravens. Took the train back. He thought it was so cool that he was up late. We didn't get back until like 11 o'clock. We watched the entire NFC Championship game on a on my phone on NFL+. Plus. He was into it. He got to stay up late. Woke up Monday morning. was in the best mood. He had a great weekend. He got to go to the game. Uh, but some parenting stuff right there. It was, it, was, it was touch and go for a moment. But sometimes a simple bribery or simple pleasure of cotton candy can do the trick. You don't want to be watching your team lose and be hungry. I mean, if you can get something, you know, that I think that's that's a and not only hungry, like the forbidden fruit. Yes. Kids, yeah, yeah. This kid don't eat much cotton candy. Yeah, he's not gonna be at home on the couch watching the game getting cotton candy, I would assume. 
so I, I, my takeaways from that game, I've been saying them on Good Morning Football. The defense was so good. And if anything, we take for granted what Steve Spagnuolo's defense has done. What I read is they ran six different defensive schemes and they rotated those defensive schemes. Lamar could not solve it. Todd Munkin abandoned the run game. There was only six times in the game that a running back carried the ball. The first time, Gus Edwards went for 15 yeah, yards yeah. and they just like abandoned it. Dalvin Cook didn't get a touch. He looked pretty good in his couple of opportunities last week. And Lamar didn't look like Lamar. So the Ravens go back to the drawing board. And for the Chiefs, they go on. And uh, obviously, it's Mahomes and Kelsey. And Kelsey had 11 catches on 11 targets. That's insane. He also touched the ball in a different, like, in a different play. Like, just amazing. But the defense is really, really good. And that defense is what rose above. So to me, they look like... Uh, just one of those old battled war horses that like you cannot put down those last two wins in Buffalo and in Kansas city uh, said it on good morning football. Rudy Tomjanovich has a great quote, never underestimate the heart of a champion. I ain't underestimating the heart of these champions. Uh, you know who I have winning. I got the chiefs winning the super bowl. We'll talk about it all next week. They play the Niners, which had a cool story in itself. W- which team do you think had a tougher pill to swallow on on Monday morning, Aaron, you think the Lions fan who is up 17 points and has multiple opportunities to make it a three score game and opts to go for it on fourth down and then just sees a slip in between their hands? Or do you think it's the Ravens fan that just feels like that was such an anomaly compared to the rest of the season? I think a Lions fan. I think the pain of knowing you were in the lead and for the first half, I mean, it looked like a, a one sided game. It was, you know, it was a completely different thing. Whereas the Ravens fan, you were catching up the whole time. Even even that on the Zay Flowers touchdown, that was like not a Hail Mary, but that was a miracle play that that worked. And there was never a point when I felt like the Ravens were in control. Whereas with the Lions, it, it, I thought I thought that was over. I was like, what happened to San Francisco? And then here they came back. So the Lions feel like they lost it from within their grasp and the Ravens just, they had a bad day. Uh couple thoughts on that. This was an interesting moment in time where like for years on parallel paths, the PFF guys and the numbers guys and the Twitter people who always are in such, uh, who advocate for fourth down being aggressive and here's how it's done, have been working. And then on the other half has been a silent majority, I think, of traditional football fans who understand that the analytics and the numbers have a major role in the game right now, and it has helped the game for the better and has helped coaches manage situations in different ways than they've traditionally done. But they've been quiet, biting their tongues. I think this was impossible to watch as a traditional fan, knowing that a three-score lead is so hard to, to come back from. But if you give them an opportunity to keep on opening the door, uh, they will. In this case, I think the thing that's missing in a lot of these analytics, and I don't want to take on the analytics community, and I don't want to even call it analytics, I want to call it probability in this case. I think one of the things that's missing is the nuance of situations such as the fact that, oh, I don't know, it's in San Francisco and that crowd, as much as Honolulu Blue as you saw, that crowd like was completely given a second life and then a third life and then a fourth life and was in an absolute tizzy after the 17-point comeback. We saw the journey performance and then like coming out of commercial, uh, you know, Olsen and Burkhart just laid out and they were so beautifully um, attuned to it. They're like, let's not Let's not talk. Let's just let the crowd noise take the story. Like that's a big deal. I also think the know with the know hall and like the wherewithal of like, hey, these Niners have been in some huge games over the years. Like, don't don't let them hang around. And even last week against the Packers, like, don't let them hang around. That makes two straight weeks of Kyle Shanahan, who notoriously is known 
for giving up major leads in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, of course, 28 to 3, but also in a, a Super Bowl to the Chiefs, they were up 10 in the fourth quarter. In the NFC Championship game to the Rams, they were up 10 in the fourth quarter. Here we go, back to back weeks after Fox shows a graphic saying Kyle Shanahan's 0 30 in the fourth quarter when down five points or more. They come back and beat the Packers. And in this case, come back from a 17 point deficit at halftime to, to beat a very good Lions team. And the Lions go back to the drawing board. Um, but I think the analytics community has been kind of feeling itself a little bit. Every team has an analytics department. And I think some of the old school football guys roll their eyes and want to stuff that talk into a locker, but they go along with it. What's the conundrum here is that Dan Campbell is as old school a football guy as there is. And he leaned into the the analytics so much. I don't even call it analytics. I mentioned that, but it's like Sean Payton did this. Bill Parcells did this. Bill Belichick does this. Like, it's not numbers in the sense that it's math wizards. It's there's football guys and football men who do it also. It's just a different way than the traditional, hey, punt the ball away and trust your defense. I, I do feel Lions fans this week, though, if they're hurting, because as much as we could break down the 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 nuance, the truth of the matter is intricacies and nuances and drops by Josh Reynolds and drops by Amon Ross St. Brown and whatever James else. Fumble. Yeah, it's just we're not going to the Super Bowl, and it ends, yeah. um, and it's over. So it all it all came together, and we could do percentage points all we want, but I say this with sadness for Lions fans. But the Niners advance, so it's Chiefs-Niners. Um, real quick on some coaching stuff, as we're recording this, all but two jobs are filled. I think we're going to fill Seattle and Washington over the next few days. Um, three names to watch. Ben Johnson. Mike McDonald, and then Aaron Glenn, defensive coordinator of the Detroit Lions. I think his name is being uh, batted around quite a bit. And then, of course, Dan Quinn, who felt like he was the clubhouse leader all along uh, for Seattle. But uh, that that hasn't happened yet, which leads me to think they want to still meet with some other guys. One note on Quinn. I don't know the numbers. We've had him on the podcast. Everyone you know, was surprised that he took his name out of all the runnings last year. Like, Dan Quinn makes a lot of money to be the Cowboys defensive coordinator. He's got a really good gig down there. He's really, really well-respected, and his defense continues uh, to perform. The thought with Quinn, if he doesn't take Seattle or he isn't offered Seattle, it's like, all right, Mike McCarthy has one more year. If that doesn't work, is it Dan Quinn's turn? I just know he's well-compensated. He's got a lot of money. Money's not going to be the factor for Dan Quinn. He was the coach of the Falcons for many years, made multiple contracts, and he is as highly paid as any coordinator in the league. So, Seattle might feel like home. It might be right. He might really want that. If he doesn't get it, that's uh, it's a bit of a surprise. But I think as the days go by, it's less and less Dan Quinn's job based on the fact that, oh, I don't know, they could have hired him already. Um, as I say that, he could be hired by noon and we'll go from there as you're listening to this. Offensive coordinator stuff around the league. couple things I'd keep an eye, f- eye out on. Uh, you saw Kellen Moore got the Eagles one. That's a big deal. You saw your former offensive coordinator in Buffalo, Aaron. Ken Dorsey got the Buffalo, uh, got the Cleveland, Cleveland. job. Yeah. Two spots that uh, are interesting. New, New England's is interesting. Does Nick Cayley, who was the tight ends coach of the Rams, take that job? That sounds like a possibility. Uh, Tennessee is fascinating. Brian Callahan is the offensive coordinator. There's a guy named Nick Holes, who I've known for quite some time, who coached with the Raiders for years, but also coached with the Jaguars the past year with Trevor Lawrence. Um, really hot name, Nick. And now you're going to say it's, well, it's just cronyism, but he actually went to high school with Brian Callahan. Those guys mm-hmm. know each other very well. Um, have not coached together in many years, but they knew each other very well. And then I believe overlapped in Oakland when they were together working with Derek Carr. 
Uh, I think he's a name. Eric Studsville, another name to mention for that position. And then Vegas, which right now, no offensive coordinator, no quarterback. I can't imagine Jimmy's going to be the guy. I don't know if you say Aiden O'Connell's the like that feels like Sam Howell to me. Like you might want to, but they have the 13th pick. That's the one that I think makes sense for Cliff Kingsbury if it goes that way. Uh, I've actually spoken to Cliff after his Eagles interview. He thought that went pretty well. He wasn't sure it was the right fit. They went with Kellen Moore. Uh, I think that was kind of a mutual deal where whatever it was, that wasn't going to be the place for Cliff this time around. But there's only so many seats on the carousel with these offensive coordinator jobs. They're being filled up awfully quickly. I look to Vegas. I think that would be a good fit if Cliff can uh, bring his guys with him and they kind of work with Antonio Pierce, who's a defensive guy who has not been an NFL head coach. Maybe Cliff can be kind of that shoulder to lean on. So that's some thoughts on the coaching stuff. We'll find out more this week. I think those all those spots will likely be filled in the next couple of days. Um, but we do have to turn the page to Super Bowl, which is not this weekend, but the following one. And for our guest, I wanted to bring in somebody interesting who might have a sports business slant to this. And they're saying this is the hardest ticket, most expensive ticket in Super Bowl history. So I brought on someone who knows that world very well. His name is Brian Baslow. I'll explain who he is and we'll get him on after this. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right. For this week's guest, I wanted to bring on someone who uh, is in the sports business world and the business of the Super Bowl. I thought it was really interesting. We've done coaches, we've done GMs, we've done owners, we've done celebrity fans. We've done the gamut here, but we haven't had someone who's got this vantage point on the Super Bowl. And I wanted to bring in Brian Baslow. Brian is the CEO of Concierge Live, which is a ticketing company. We'll get into the business of it. But before this, Brian was the EVP of ticketing at the Brooklyn Nets. And Brian's got a real grasp on ticket sales, ticket trends, and all of that. And Brian, I wanted to welcome you on the season with Peter Schrager. What's up, buddy? Peter, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. This is going to be fun. No doubt. Uh, so as this thing was shaking out, I'm watching the AFC Championship game in person, and I'm like, all right, so Chiefs are going, which is probably more glamorous for the Super Bowl than Baltimore, but then you had Lamar, and I'm doing the storylines in my head, and I'm like, I personally love the Lamar storyline, but I guess there's other things with the Chiefs with Dynasty and Taylor Swift and all that. And then when I see the Niners win, I'm like, yeah, but Detroit's the better story because of Detroit not going. So I would imagine those tickets would flood the market, but it's a West Coast trip. So it's easy. You could do it in a day. So I'm going to go to you who knows ticketing <laughs> inside and out and has devoted a career to it. I saw a headline saying it's the most expensive, hardest to get ticket in Super Bowl history. Take it away, Brian. Explain why and how it shook out that way. Yeah, Peter, that's a great lead in. And this game is an absolute monster. I mean, simply put, it is the most expensive ticket uh, in the history of the Super Bowl so far. And I was doing I was doing those same machinations as you sort of what's going to drive the Super Bowl. You'd think with Kansas City, there'd be a little bit of a been there, done that factor. Sure. Been there four times in the last five years. But no, man, I mean, there's a confluence of factors. But 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 simply put, it's the most expensive ticket. 
The Gannon ticket, Peter, the least expensive ticket on the first day of sales was $9,000. Is that right? $9,000 to get in the game. I mean, the average price right now even is around $12,000. And there are a couple, I mean, there are a couple tickets in excess of $50,000 per ticket. Okay. And and you think that's, all right, let's start with the Taylor Swift factor. Is that the casual fan saying, uh, look, I, I want to go anyway. Uh, it's a cheap, and if I'm ever going to go, it's the year Taylor Swift. Or is it the hey, this Chiefs thing might be, might be ending, and this might be the last time, and I want to be there when Mahomes gets his third and, and we win second straight. Like, is it if you're weighing out the factors, is it Mahomes and Kelsey, and that, or is it Taylor Swift is in the building and it's kind of cool to be there? It's going to be an event that everyone's going to be watching. Yeah, listen, Peter, this Taylor Swift effect is real, man. I mean, we've seen it through the regular season and the beginning parts of the playoffs. Tickets are typically probably 20 to 50% more expensive just just because she's going to be in the building. I mean, she's not even performing. She's just there. Um, And I think that is the differentiating factor on the Chiefs side. One of the biggest driving factors also is just like San Francisco, that Niner team is, is huge. Their following is amazing. Probably 26% of the tickets that are sold right now um, have been from San Francisco. And you see it. You see it when you're on the road. Anytime oh, yeah. San Francisco um, is traveling, I mean, there's a sea of red. They, that team travels as well as anybody. Well, it's also a national fan base. I think in the 80s, where a lot of these fans that have now the money to go buy tickets and travel to Super Bowls, they were born, and they grew up with Montana and Young. So now that generation's in their 30s and 40s. And then, oh yeah, in between, you've had some great runs with Alex Smith and Harbaugh, some great run with Kaepernick, and then these last five years have been just success. So to finally see those Niners hoist a Lombardi, first time I think in 29 years it'll be, or 23 years, I think that matters. But you're right. Niners fans, they do that, you know, bang, bang, Niner gang. They are everywhere. In Philly last year at the NFC Championship, there was a sea of red. And that's Philly fans who do not sell their tickets to opposing fans. Exactly. Exactly. Also, most of those fans that were in the 80s that grew up with Montana, many of them have started tech companies. So they drive the price up as well. So, um, but yeah, man, it's huge. Is that is that another thing? It's like, who's spending $9,000 for just a general admission, like a regular ticket in a stadium, other than someone who's got the money to spend it? Yeah, I mean, the other thing, Peter, that we haven't talked about is the Vegas factor, man. Uh, it, is a re- it, is, it is a real factor. So the Raiders, and you'll enjoy this. I mean, the Raiders, just in the regular season, the average ticket price for a Raiders game is a little over $1,000. That's 150% more than the average ticket in the NFL. And I don't think it was because of the Raiders, like, hot, yeah. you know, play on the field. It is, te- you know, particularly road teams. Those fans love to travel to Vegas to see their team play. Now both teams, you know, now you have both markets going to, and the, the, as you know, the, you know, the Super Bowl's never been in Vegas. I, I can't even, frankly, like, fathom the idea of Super Bowl weekend in Las Vegas. It kind of breaks my brain thinking about yeah. like what it's going to be like. It'll probably be good for your sponsor, BetterHelp. Like, I, I, I like it's, it's going to be a big weekend. Yeah. So the TV ratings will be through the roof. I think it's going to be, you know, mega, maybe the highest rated ever. And again, the Swift thing is real, but also these are the two, probably the best teams of the five last five years. If you want to say it, like who gets the furthest in the playoffs? Niners have lost multiple NFC, uh, you know, playoff games in recent years, but of course have been to the Super Bowl and want to redeem themselves. Uh, buying a Super Bowl ticket, like it sounds so naive for me. And it sounds like an arrogant media guy who would never have to, you know, go in these waters because I'm there with a credential, but like, if I wanted to buy a ticket, like how is that done to the Super Bowl? 
Yeah, I mean, listen, the only sort of official way is a company called On Location Experiences. I used to work there. It's a portfolio company of the NFL and then a partnership and, and the owner is in Endeavor. So that's the official way. And then, listen, there are lots of different, you know, sort of secondary markets that that uh, where people can source tickets. Um, and, you know, th- there's lots of different ways. But the main sort of official way is that company On Location Experiences. Okay. Now your company, Concierge Live, you're not a ticket broker. You are a ticket provider for, I, I love your your con, your concept here because we've talked about it. Can you tell the listeners what your company does and how, you know, uh, how, how you look at the market from a strategic vantage point, but also looking at it from almost like a mathematical way? Yeah. Thank you so much for asking. So like our core business, we are a software for sports sponsors to manage their tickets. We're like a CRM system for sponsors to manage their tickets. Um, that is our core business. But our our clients also say, hey, listen, it's not in our regular tickets, but we're looking to go to the Super Bowl. Can you help us source these tickets? So that's where sort of the interest in keeping an eye on these things comes from. Yeah. So give an example. Say you're, you know, you have a client and it's like, let's just say it's Morgan Stanley or Goldman Sachs, and they come to your company and they say, We want to go, forget the Super Bowl, we want to go. To 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 Knicks versus Heat. What where do you go from there? So they say we want to go to Knicks versus Heat. Um, and we we ask them different questions as far as like where they want to sit, who they're taking, what part of the pro because it's not just the ticket all the time. Sometimes they need sort of a whole run of show. Um, so we'll we'll take that information, we'll go source the tickets, we'll give them prices. Um, and then we we can actually just chaperone them the entire time. Yeah. Okay. So do you feel like this, this crowd is going to be a mix of mostly corporate or do you think this is the, the Chiefs fans? They're like, we're coming and the Niners fans are coming. I, I, I said it last week, walking around the AFC championship game. I'm like, I love the Super Bowl and it is awesome in the building. And it is one of my favorite things to be at, especially in the opening kickoff and the lights go out. I'm like, but this element of looking into the crowd and seeing a sea of purple and a sea of red and knowing every single right. person that's here is here because they freaking love their team. It's a little different than the Super Bowl, which is still amazing in its own way. And it's the biggest stage. What do you anticipate? Because these two fan bases are very good. It's a, you Listen, that's a great question. And I think historically, the Super Bowl has gotten a little bit of a bad rap of being a corporate scene. I have personally seen, and I don't know if you agree, Peter, I think the last couple of years, fans have really stepped up. Totally. Um, and it's been more fan engaged. Being in the building has a much better energy than it had maybe five or 10 years ago. I think these teams are going to show out. I think it's going to show up in a big way. I also think because it's a rematch, be, I, 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 because both these teams are probably the best two teams in the league, as predicted by you a year in advance, which is also incredible. Uh, I, I think it's going to I, I think it's going to be a fan based thing. And I, I think it's going to be a really exciting crowd. Yeah, I. I do too. I think the Bengals Rams one was interesting because it was in Los Angeles. So I assumed it would be all Rams fans. That place was flooded with orange and black and white. And like Bengals fans knew we hadn't been to the Super Bowl since 1989. Like we're coming. Uh, This one's a little different. And yet I feel like both fan bases will show out. Do you have any idea where Swift will be seated in that Las Vegas Super Bowl? That one, not yet. I mean, I'm likely she'll be in a suite, but I, I'd be happy to sort of follow up with you on that one. Speaking how does that even? Other, yeah, okay. how does that even work? Like, does does she does CBS like do they take care of that and say we want the best vantage point for when our cameras come, or is it Travis Kelsey's suite? Like, I think that's interesting. Tell them about because this is a story I heard that the Super Bowl was in Los Angeles, and like all year long, whether it be Kelly Stafford and Matthew Stafford, like some people, or maybe the coaches, maybe McVay, I forget what it was. Those guys in their contracts have 
suites for games. But then once the Super Bowl happens, that goes to the league. Like, because I think it was interesting. Like, it became a different conversation. Nothing bad. I think Kelly Stafford was was very happy to be celebrating a Super Bowl in a suite. It wasn't an issue, but. I think that was a unique one and the Tampa one was because those were in their buildings. But who owns the suites? Because is it the Raiders handle it or the league handles it? It's a great question. At, at the top of the pyramid, it's the league. So the league will be working all that out. Um, also, on the Taylor Swift matter, have you been following this, by the way? The internet is like trying to solve the mystery of how to get Taylor to the game. She has a show in Japan the day beforehand. She has a show right after in Australia. The internet is trying to solve the mystery of how to get her there. There's a hundred hour. Yeah, time I'll difference. solve it for you. A massive private jet. That's how. <laughs> uh, there, there's the internet mystery. No, in all seriousness, I was on Simmons and I was like, "Do you think she'll be there?" He's like, "Yes." And then I asked my co-host Aaron Wong Kaufman months ago. We talked about this, and we kind of came out not not realizing the show was the night before. I thought it was the night of that she had a show. It sounds like she's got four nights in a row and the last night ends and then the Super Bowl is after that. And then it's Australia that she can make it all work. But if it was the same day, you know, you work in ticketing. What kind of disaster would that be for Taylor Swift if she just canceled a show in Japan? She can't do that, right? Listen, we're we're in uncharted waters at this point. (laughs) Uh, but I think at this point, Taylor Swift can do sort of whatever whatever she wants to do. And I'm feeling come come hell or high water, she'd be at the game. Aaron, get up here on the mic, because I think we had we had the debate and we said what she could do is if she was to cancel, it's all what if. Sounds like she's going to be there. If she canceled, she can give back like two nights and have two more nights later on for all the people who she canceled on. Does that sound like a nice compromise in the ticketing world? Yeah, I mean, I think if she rescheduled that, that show <laughs> and added an additional date more people get to see her i think fans would be in general very happy with that brian your thoughts you're offering a two for one taylor hey yes. sorry miss you now you can go to two shows that's a nice compensation right that's kind of nice man i yeah. like what you're doing here this is a hell of a business plan that's what that's what i would do uh all right so super bowl big picture because you do all sporting events is that the hardest ticket to get in sports or am I off and it's like some random tennis match or something? No, you're 100% right. The, so Super Bowl typically has been the most expensive by a factor of a lot. The one thing kind of creeping up on it has been F1. F1 has been like a craze in, in America. Two years ago, the one in, in Miami just uh, just really set some records. But but Super Bowl is, is in a category. It's all, all its own. And, and that's always been the case And since you've been doing this professionally or is it like, is that the last decade where Super Bowl just took on a different demand to be there it's it's always been the case but uh the like the factor at which it's the highest and the, just sort of the professionalization of on both sides of it the supply side and the, the the demand side super bowl is the biggest but it gets more and more and more expensive and the market gets more more efficient every single year even last year i thought so last year with philly coming that's a huge market again huge. a very wealthy market a much yeah. bigger city than san francisco um, that was a monster game. And this is, Peter, this is double, double the initial price. I think you hit year. it with the location. I think Vegas brings a different glamour and glitz and excitement level um, than perhaps Arizona, which has had many Super Bowls and is a bit sleepy, if you will, if you're like, or oh, I'm coming with my boys. And we're like, Vegas, I feel like already had this amazing aura around it for a celebration and a party. And now you had the biggest game. And I keep on mentioning Swift. I think it's real. I th- it, it is real. I mean, it's like statistic really r- real um, that uh, it's, it's just going to be it's going to be a huge weekend. 
Okay, and uh, before we let you go, my last my last thing is um, when you go to the Super Bowl and it's the average fan buying a ticket. What else do you get in that if you just get a Super Bowl ticket? Is it just access to the game or are there ways that you can also in that journey, you package it with, I'm going to get to go to an exclusive party. I'm going to see T-Pain perform. I'm going to end up seeing Zach Bryan perform. Like I know the NFL has on location and they have events, but is it a la carte? How is that all handled if I'm Johnny Niners fan and screw it, I just hit the lottery or I just had a really good year financially. I'm taking my kids to the Super Bowl. Is it just... We got the game. We got to find our own hotel. Or like, how is it all done? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, on location experiences, again, they they do tickets, hotels. They sponsor their own events. They and that's called a, on they, location experiences if you're looking. Like, that's what that company's called. Correct. Yeah. So they specifically have it and they have their own proprietary pregame event. But there are every hospitality vendor in the world has some pop-up going on um, that weekend. Also, like as you know, there are some of the best parties throughout that weekend, that Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sports Illustrated has a party, uh, Fanatics and Michael Rubin has a secret VIP party that everybody tries to get into. There, there's some pretty fun events that weekend. I went to the Michael Rubin party last year. Were you there, Brian? I, I was not. I'm hoping you know, this, this <laughs> podcast will help me in the go forward. I went there last year. It was in Arizona. It was really fun. I've never even thought to be invited to the July 4th thing. That's not my my world. They don't want my the disgusting me coming in there with my stained white t-shirt and old navy white pants. But I did go to the Super Bowl one. I was happy enough to go. And I will tell you, uh, I saw Bryce Young, talked to him for a while, saw Michael Parsons, talked to him for a while. And then I saw at that party David Tepper, Jerry Jones, uh, Mark Davis. Bob Kraft, like that, that party is a party to be at. And yet I think it's nearly impossible to get in unless, you know, someone who knows someone who knows someone who in last year's case, I did. Listen, you're the someone I know. Listen, yeah, you know, next time go for, go for a plus one. I'm, I'm available. That's it. You could come, we could do it. We can do it. Uh, all right. Super Bowl. That's in Brian. I appreciate it. Um, real quick, tell us about your company, where we can find it. And, uh, if there's a website we can, we can use to, to use your services. Yeah, Concierge Live, ConciergeLive.com. Any sports sponsors, please reach out. We'd uh, we'd love to help you. Okay, when you say sports sponsors, just real quick, what does that mean? Because I'm I'm thinking of like, okay, Doritos sponsors a you know a, a Super Bowl party, but when you say sports sponsors for tickets, what's that mean? Yeah, no, it just means usually when you're a sponsor, when you're a sponsor of a league or a team or a venue, with those sponsorship come a lot of tickets, and Got that's it. where our company comes in. When you when you need to manage those tickets on a day to day basis, we're sort of the CRM system for you to manage all those tickets. Got it. And it's a software that I can log in and and not have to use a middleman. I could just kind of go in and see, and it could be like, all right, well, you could give these tickets to these people, and this is how we do that. We divvy it up amongst employees, whatever else. Totally. If you work for Chase Bank. And you're an employee and you're saying, hey, how do I access the company tickets? Uh, we're the portal for you to be able to do that. That's great. I love it. Smart. Uh, if the NFL has free tickets lying around, you let me know. I'll, I'd love to hit that <laughs> portal. That's it. And maybe I could, I don't know if they're a client, but maybe I can help you make that introduction as well. Um, all right. Brian Baslow, awesome stuff. Thank you. The hottest ticket of all time, it sounds like. Uh, the Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas. Dude, I appreciate your time. Thanks so much, Peter. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 
37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. That was pretty interesting. I, I knew it would be. I always I also thought for some reason like that the Detroit factor would be overriding as far as ticket sales go, that every single person who's ever rooted for the Lions would find a way, $9,000, $15,000, like I'm going to mortgage uh, my house and put it on sale like so I can go. But I guess San Francisco, he's right. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a combination for those fans of like, yes, they might have some tech money there, but also we've been knocking on the door for so long and it's in Vegas. It's a short flight. You're not spending on the flight. You could even come in the day of and do one night or even fly in day of and maybe get a flight out back to San Francisco. Aaron, were you surprised that this is the hottest ticket in the history of the Super Bowl? Absolutely not. I mean, I think, like you said, two dynasties that have both been very good the last five years. Uh, So you have, as cynical as this is, you have like true lifelong fans. And then you also have people who maybe just got into the NFL in the past five years, have loved Mahomes the whole time. And they're like, all on board, and then there's Taylor Swift, and then it's Vegas. I think there's it's a perfect storm of everything going right. The Taylor Swift thing is interesting. So I have a friend, Aaron Luber, who's been on this show many mm. a times, and he said his wife has never watched down a football, his daughter never watched down a football, and they're obsessed with the Chiefs because of Taylor Swift. And I think that sounds very simple, like football man's wife is now into it. It sounds right. almost cliche. But they really root for the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. They're on this ride. Um, I don't think they're alone. But how does that translate to wanting to be at the game because she's there? You're not going to guarantee yourself an interaction. I'm surprised that her being at the game has played a role into ticket sales. Viewership, yes. Yeah, yeah. I don't, that, that's a great question. Because he, he said 20% to 30% higher in the games that she's at. Is it just the idea of being around a celebrity? Like that she's in the building, I'm in the building? I guess. And like you're there when she's kind of there as a casual real person because she's just there watching Travis play. She's not there performing. It's not like, I don't know. I, I don't understand that. Um, uh, you know, you and I have talked about Taylor Swift on this show more times than anyone would have expected, I think, 12 it's part months of the ago. Story. It is, 100%. If you were to tell me the story of of this NFL season, I'm I'm coming to, to a blank when I'm trying to think of it. Like, we could talk about Lamar and the amazing seasons that the Browns and Lions had from out of nowhere and what D'Amico Ryans did, but you better believe it's been this Chiefs team and then how this Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey deal has taken pop culture by storm too. I, I have a lukewarm take that I haven't voiced Uh-oh. at all. I don't, know um, I don't know if I'm in the mood for that this week. Go on. <laughs> uh, did Does the Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey relationship overshadow that Kelsey just had an incredible game? It was his best game of the year. If anything, it puts more of a spotlight. He had 11 catches on 11 targets. He was amazing. And then afterwards, it's kind of sweet. Guy who has new girlfriend are embracing and kissing and not scared to show their affection. And she says on the mic'd up, I'm so proud of you. You don't even know. Like, eh, it's hard to be cynic, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so as I mentioned um, to you off, Mike, I thought we'd wrap the podcast with with a little something. Um, okay, I did a segment on Good Morning Football. I'm going to bring it back. It's going to be recycling content, if that's okay. Uh, the segment was five media ideas that I have for Bill Belichick 
for next season. And it looks like he's not going to be a head coach. He could still be a defensive coordinator somewhere. He could still coach lacrosse somewhere. He could still coach college. He could be an executive somewhere. That's all possible. If he goes into media, I think the standard ideas are he'll be in a booth, he'll be in a studio show, he'll have a podcast. I listed five ideas. I'm going to bounce them off with you, Aaron, and you tell me your thoughts. Number five, one of the greatest clips of Bill Belichick is when Randy Moss comes in in a 2011 documentary that he did for NFL Films where they were tracking the 2011 Patriots and Randy Moss comes in and he just gives Bill Belichick the heads up. We're having a Halloween party tonight. It's going to be at a roller skating rink. We'd love for you to come. Um, you know, Bring Linda, who was his girlfriend at the time. Like, We'd love for you to, but we're just giving you a heads up. We're having a party. I don't want you to be surprised by it. And then the next clip is Bill Belichick dressed as a pirate doing laps in roller skates and everyone <laughs> loving it. And the relationship between Belichick and Moss is real. I, I don't know if I've ever told this story, but the Minnesota Super Bowl, which happened to be Patriots versus Eagles, I think. Yeah, Patriots versus Eagles, Minnesota Super Bowl. Randy Moss had a birthday party. I want to say it was his 40th birthday party. I had worked with Randy at Fox. We had a really strong relationship at the time. We're still friendly. I still text with him, but this was like, we would talk often. We worked together. And Randy uh, had just started at ESPN and he invited me to his 40th birthday party and Gary Owen did the comedy and performed. I like Gary Owen. I don't know if you're a fan or if you know his work. And I get there and I was amazed to see the week of the Super Bowl, I think it was the Thursday night, um, Bill Belichick was there to celebrate Randy Moss's birthday party. And so was Rex Ryan. And so were so many other teammates of Randy's. And it was just a really cool room. Um, but I think my idea is pairing Randy Moss's passion and Bill Belichick's knowledge. And I think Belichick's also a man of the sea, obviously his Navy background and his love for Nantucket, a fishing show, Bill Belichick and Randy Moss, your thoughts. I love it. I can just, I mean, everyone always talks about the viral clip of Bill, um, you know, in a press conference after the game, he's never happy. And then someone asks him about a long snapper and he goes on for 12 minutes. I can just imagine the two of them sitting on the dock or the back of the boat, a port or starboard, whatever the back is. Um, and Bill, like Randy calling out some fish that they're trying to catch. And Bill goes on a 15-minute soliloquy about how much he loves this one particular, the skip-back tuna, because it's, you know, like the way that they travel in school. I would love it. A-plus, all in. Amazing. I love it. That it'd be those two guys who have been so guarded from the media for so many years, just uncut. Number four, a Patriots-focused podcast with noted Patriots fan Bill Burr. Ooh. Have have Burr and Belichick done, have they no. interacted at all? I don't know. Maybe. I'm sure Burr is known by Belichick. Oh, yeah. Uh, Burr, obviously one of the greatest comedians, one of the most <laughs> candid and unfiltered people in our world. Um, also, huge Patriots fan. Huge Patriots fan. Um, interesting one. Number three, the coach cast with Nick Saban and Pete Carroll. So you know the Manning cast, and I say the Manning cast works because you get the football insights, but you also get the crosstalk and the conversation. Nick Saban, currently not employed. Pete Carroll, currently not employed. I don't know what they plan on doing in the future. Saban, I'm sure, will have some advisory role with Alabama. Carroll can have the same with Seattle. Until then, every, let's pick a, how about 
Amazon picks them up for every Thursday night. These guys break down the game on a second alternative telecast. Your thoughts? Ooh, I would love that because, I mean, one of our favorite things about your coworker, Greg Olson, like Greg, when when he's sitting there in the booth breaking down the plays as they're happening and predicting what's going to happen and like unfolding each team strategy in real time. Imagine having three of the best coaches doing that at the same time. I mean, that'd be great. I'd love that. And I can imagine Belichick busting chops with Carol yes. and Saban. Like, yes. that'd be fun. I think he respects yes. both those guys. Yes. Uh, all right, number two, a show called 80s and 90s Giant Stuff. And it's with Bill Parcells, Phil Sims, and Lawrence Taylor. And they just go back and watch old Giants games and talk about them. So this is like uh, like every um, every sitcom has a rewatch yes. podcast yes. and this would be bill hosting it to the talk cast about of the scrubs yes. going back right. and watching yeah. old episodes and they bring in a, a guest each week who you know like this week it's the it's the, you know the wide receiver and this week I it's a running it's, yeah uh, i think it's the office ladies it's jenna fisher or not jenna fisher yeah jenna, jenna fisher, fisher and angela and- kinsey Kinsley? Yes, Angela Kinsey, who play Pam and Angela from The Office. They go through every episode. Now, I personally got sucked into The Sopranos one with uh, our guy, uh, Sharippa and Michael Imperioli, where they watched every single episode and did a recap. But to your point, they brought on a guest. It'd be like, here's the guy who played Cousin Vito, and like he's going to talk about it. And here's the guy who played Angelo. So in this case, uh, 80s and 90s giant stuff. I think the Giants have a huge fan base. Jason English, our our buddy from iHeart, is in here. And I know he is a hardcore Giants fan of this era. You're in for it. All right. The number one, though, that I thought would be fun. Number one idea, drum roll. Co-host the NFL Red Zone with Scott Hansen every Sunday. What two different levels of Talk energy, about it. Which, would be, which would be great. Um, man, the... I also, I think back to my favorite, I don't know if favorite is the right word, but my, one of the most memorable moments from Red Zone this year, of course, is the fire alarms going off. Can you imagine Scott and Bill? Like, I can just see Bill totally unfazed. Scott. Yeah. Scott. <laughs> don't panic. That's why they, that, that's the fire department. They'll do their job. That's what they're there for. Also, like, in the moment, there's five games going on, fourth quarter, you hear Belichick in the corner being like, oh, yes, and you're like, yes. Wait, what is Belichick into? What is it? And he's watching some random Bears Saints game that the game's like a 20 point game and it's not significant, but it's like a punt. Also, I would love, you know, Scott is there. Uh, witching hour is Scott's thing. He He's so excited for that one moment. Maybe Bill gets a moment in the second slate of games when his dog Nike shows up but and just like sits on his lap for a couple plays and then leaves like that would be good, too. Totally. Um, those are my five ideas. If you have any others, please send them our way. Uh, let's do the the Uber sponsorship at the end here. Is that still a sponsor, Aaron? We're still with those guys? Oh, yeah. And uh, I'm. we got to start thinking about what food. I actually already made some grocery orders for Super Bowl. So I have, you know, big bags of chips to eat during the game. This is going to be the first Super Bowl in many years that I will not be attending. And maybe I should use some Uber Eats. Is that the Uber Eats? It's because it's almost almost anything that we can get. Maybe they can make me uh, uh, some guacamole and some chips. And uh, 
We'll, we'll go down that what, road. What about cotton candy? You think Uber Eats could get oh, you some God. cotton candy? Do you think they could? They get almost <laughs> almost anything. Um, <laughs> the season with Peter Schrager delivering results is presented by Uber Eats. It's time for delivering results presented by Uber Eats. This week, I want to shout out Brock Purdy as our individual who purely delivered in the biggest of moments. Purdy down 17. I think he went 5 of 17 with a pick in the first half. And I said it on air on Good Morning Football. I had friends in my mentions um, in a text chain I'm on saying time to go to Darnold what are we doing here like even now they still don't believe in Purdy even all of you that's still going to be let's go to Darnold well Purdy turned it around had some amazing drives had some key passes to Juwan Jennings and some key plays to Debo Samuel and Kittle and of course the little toe tap from Juszczyk which was so impressive and so good uh, Brock Purdy delivered results and now in just his second year in the NFL he will be playing in a Super Bowl against the greatest quarterback of his generation I say that without maybe saying uh, uh, possibly or, or any Anything contingent on anything. It is Brady and it is now Mahomes when you're talking about the last 20 years of, of NFL quarterbacks and the guys who win the games. Um, Brock Purdy is going to try to dethrone Mahomes in, in this one in about 10 days from now. That was Delivering Results presented by Uber Eats where you can do almost, almost anything. The official on-demand partner of the NFL order now. Uh, Aaron? Thank you for joining me. Jason, thank you for joining me. Enjoy the next few days. I'm going to go down to Mobile, Alabama for uh, for Friday afternoon. I'm going to check out the Senior Bowl. Ooh. So. Any players you're particularly excited to see Yeah, uh, All of them? I haven't done the research yet. I've got to dig in. Our NFL Network's doing a good job. They got all the guys down there. I'll start digging in. But I like to to get my feet on the ground a little bit, touch the grass, if you will. Um, and I'll have some stories, I'm sure. Hopefully not any travel stories. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Connecting through Atlanta and a little puddle jumper to Mobile all should go well with, with that. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you to uh, all the folks in LA who helped put this together, as well as, of course, Aaron, Jason, uh, and all the producers from the iHeart side. Uh, please keep on listening. Tell your friends. We will have some great guests over the offseason, of course, but it's the biggest week in sports next week. We'll definitely have a good episode. Until then, enjoy the Super Bowl bye week. The Season with Peter Schrager is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.